This is the Radical RMT Podcast, where I talk to radical massage therapists, chat about the unique lifestyle we have in this profession, and cover topics we care about beyond the massage table. My name is Krista Dix. I'm a registered massage therapist with over a decade of experience. If you want an inspiring career that leads to an incredible life, stay tuned. Emily? Thank you for being on the Radical RMT. Uh, I really appreciate you coming out uh, on an evening to share some wine and have a little chat. Thanks uh, for inviting me. Yeah, so I'm really excited to chat with you. I know you really well, um, and I find you really interesting. So I'm really glad that I get to sort of dive a little bit deeper and help you expand on some of the ideas that we've already like talked about Um in, in like casual settings but I'd love to get it recorded to share with uh with complete strangers thanks amazing yeah. <laughs> excited <laughs> <laughs> so I do want to probably just dive right into it and I just want to see where where we go um you recently became your own like practitioner in your own practice after working in a setting that was more of the independent contractor scenario um and what did uh, what did that move look like for you? What did that decision look like for you? Yeah, so actually this podcast is a big part of the reason why I did that. Um, I was starting to think that I was a little bit ready for a change from where I was working, um, but I didn't have anything really in mind. It was just kind of a little seed had been planted. Um, and then when you had Kelly on the podcast, I listened to it and she just sounded so great. And she talked a lot about working on her own. And I was like, Hey, maybe I could do that. Um, and then, so I actually reached out to Kelly and she was so great. And she like sat down and spent some time with me and went over all these numbers and everything that was really great. Um, and so I actually now work out of the space that Kelly used to work in. That's so yeah, it was is it the, really it's not cool. the exact same room, but it's the same building? Yeah, it's the same building. So yeah, she just used to use the room next door. But oh, that's so yeah, cool. yeah, it yeah. is so amazing. What um what's your background for massage therapy? What got you interested in it? How did you come to the profession? Um, so I did my undergrad in psychology and I always took a couple of the more neuro-based courses when I was doing that. And I had this really fantastic neuroscience teacher in my second and third year, and her practice focused on um, concussions and head and neck injuries. Mm. So uh, she was so great, so that's kind of what I was focusing on, and that's what I wanted to work with. And then after I finished my undergrad, um, wasn't you know kind of qualified to do a lot of the jobs that I was interested in um, so I was going to take my master's and I had like my graduate record exam booked and everything and then a couple weeks before I was like I don't want to do that because master's programs and a lot of the positions that you get after that are so research-based right. and I realized that I really wanted to work with people so then I thought okay if I want to do head and neck injury kind of stuff, um, what's another way that I can kind of get into that? So then that's how I got into the massage program. So now a lot of my practice focuses on like headaches, neck pain, jaw pain. I have like quite a few post-concussion clients. So yeah, yes. in a roundabout way, I ended up there. Exactly so, where, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. 
um, and you have personally had a concussion mm-hmm. as well. Um, how many years ago was that now? Um, December 2016, okay. so just over three years. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, I guess not funny, but that was already the direction I wanted my practice to go in, and then I was in a small car accident, and I got the concussion and really ended up dealing with a lot of post-concussion stuff, but it's been in some ways really helpful in the way that I'm able to connect with clients and um, have a little bit more understanding of what they're going through with my post-concussion people, so mm-hmm. that's been, I guess, in some ways good. So Yeah, it's not your primary focus in, in your clinic space, but you do enjoy that you know, treating those yeah. things specific, yeah. specifically. That's yeah. good. And you have the more personal experience, so mm-hmm. that helps a lot. And just a lot of the treatment that I received for post-concussion work has made me a lot more comfortable doing that with clients. So I had so much anterior neck work done mm-hmm. that it made me just so much more confident doing like anterior neck work on clients. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, hey, I know how this feels. I had it done this morning. So yeah, that's, that's cool. Been good. So what what was your hesitation before? Um, I think it. I find it's an area that a lot of RMTs just don't work. It's weird to work that close to someone's throat. It's a little yeah. personal and yeah, yeah, a little intimidating. I think sometimes to work that area. For sure, certainly an area for like triggers mm-hmm. for for people as well. And and then maybe with the psychology background that you were coming from, you kind of knew perhaps on some level that that was. Yeah, Uh, I always prep people before we do even just like an SCM trigger point or release, like before we're even on the table. I'm like, listen, I'd like to do some work. It's really close to your throat. Feels really weird. You know, if it ever feels like I'm choking you, if you ever want to stop, because yeah, it it can be a lot for people who aren't expecting it. Just work that close to someone's throat. Yeah, people tense up. Yeah, for sure. But what's the but the reward? If you're one of the only therapists who's done that for them. How awesome do they feel getting off the table? Yeah. And, and how good do you feel being like, wow, nobody's ever done that before? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that is really cool. That's really, really nice, especially, yeah, with um, when you find out that that's kind of like the muscle that's being someone's headache trigger. And you're doing it, they're like, that feels exactly like my headaches and my migraines. You're like, yes, we made it. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> our small victories mm-hmm. and the little things we get excited about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good. Um, so can you also explain going back to your, um, when you started your new business, um, after talking to Kelly and you've moved into this similar space that she was in before, um, uh, you know, it just inspired you. You just said that, oh, well, it was something that you could do was, and was it a tough decision though? Like, I mean, sure we can have the idea, like, and honestly, a lot of massage therapists think that they can do Uh, on their own what they're doing in a joint clinic or Mm -hmm. as an independent contractor or an employee but what was your sort of motivation as well to to pursue it on your own um I think just when I was looking at my client numbers and I kind of look at it and said okay even if only a percentage or a portion of these people follow me then I'm gonna be able to make enough money that expenses will be covered it I guess it came down to yeah like a numbers thing for me and then kind of like weighing the risk of it mm-hmm. um but yeah it made sense for me yeah did you did you like did you always have a feeling that you wanted to own your own business like I mean if you were going to go into psychology you'd 
be independent anyways. It'd be a very, very similar Mm -hmm. scenario to what you're in now. (laughs) Um, So I guess you always had that uh, comfort in in being self-employed or or interest in being... Yeah, I think that's something about just even working as an independent contractor, being a massage therapist, we have so much autonomy, which is so nice. Um, And I think for me, just to be able to take that to that extra level is, yeah, something that's a good fit for me. Um, I keep joking with the new business that I say, like, I just do whatever I want and no one cares, (laughs) which is really nice. Like, the freedom and, yeah, so I guess I... You could say that I probably did always know that I wanted to be the one making, like, the final decisions. Right. Yeah. Um, Any oh, shoot moments since you got started? Um, Not that I can think of. Or or even, like, let's say, uh, you know, as an example, when you, even, um, like, when you move out on your own or now, like, you're in your own place, like, business or in your own, like, living situation, and then you're, like you have to like take out the, the garbage or you have to do something you're like huh who how does this get done again because <laughs> I've never done it before because someone else already mm-hmm. always took care of it or you're like oh yeah like you know software like how how are they going to book online like or did you have any of those like moments um nothing I could really think of off the top of my head something that I've tried and it's worked out so far is I don't have a business phone number so the Mm. only way people can reach me is by email and that has yeah that was a bit of a new thing to navigate especially working in like a clinic setting before where someone was always around to answer the phone or return messages yeah so that was in some ways clients getting used to it as much as I was getting used to it but that's the only one I can think of off the top of my head and so if you make a um, if you have to make a business call, clients late, uh, or you have a no show and you need to make that phone call, it's like, are you? Are, do you still make that phone call? Or do you only communicate even on the on your part via email? I try and do it only on email. Like even if someone's late, I find most people are at their computers or people get emails on their phone, mm-hmm. so they're coming pretty quick anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, the couple times that I have had to make a call, I just, you know, you can block your number so it doesn't come up. Mostly okay. I just don't want people to call me back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I agree with that. It's been a huge hesitation. Even, I mean, you obviously have a work email, but I mean, I don't have like a specific work email mm-hmm. and I should probably set one up as like me as a massage therapist, even just on Gmail, but um, yeah, I've had a huge hesitation if they're just like, oh, can you send me like this exercise or mm-hmm. can you send me that link that we, you know, that talk, talked about and you're just like, ooh, that, this could open up a whole can of yeah. something. But, yeah, okay. so email I've always been okay with. I think, yeah, because I do have like a separate um, like massage therapy email. Um, but I just, I don't want people to text me yeah. is my main concern. I know yeah. a lot of massage therapists like to do that or, or they'll connect with clients on, you know, have a Facebook or Instagram page or something that, yeah. but I don't know. I like the email to me. It keeps things a little bit separate. Absolutely. And I think that that's really important in your own business um, to start recognizing those barriers and, and boundaries mm-hmm. now. Um, you don't want people to text you. And, no. and I think that some people realize that maybe they shouldn't have they shouldn't have allowed that um mm. to, to uh, you know for clients to book appointments um you know at first it seems okay and then yeah it's just so that's great that uh, on your on, even in your own business which most people would probably feel that they need to take 
any opportunity to get clients mm-hmm. um, that that you're still saying like no I'm <laughs> no phone yeah. number no text that, yeah that's it is fair. a little bit hard sometimes to keep the boundaries that's something that I've found being completely on my own is um, remembering that it's important to say no to things. Mm-hmm. Because when you're just thinking like, oh, you know, if a client comes in and see me, it's either, you know, money that goes directly to paying my rent or money that goes directly into my pocket. So it's hard sometimes when a client's like, oh, I can't make it, you know, in your schedule. Like, can you stay later or something like that? Yeah. So I do it sometimes. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely been something I've had to practice is that it's okay to say no. Yeah. So. How do you treat your, um, your work day? Do you... Do you have um, like a schedule and then do you show up anyway when if you don't have clients or how do you sort of treat it now that you're on your own? Um, something that I found on my own and probably partly because I don't have the business phone is that I get very few last minute bookings compared mm-hmm. to when I was working as part of a larger clinic setting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't usually bother to go in if it's not booked mm-hmm. because yeah, like I've been not, five have months in, now, yeah. and yeah, I almost never even have same-day bookings. So. Okay, that's good. That's good. That's fun. <laughs> How long have you been on your own now? Um, it's been five or six months, I think five. Right, October, yeah. I think it was. October it was, yeah. Cool. All right. Um, and one other thing that I wanted to talk to you about is that um, you recently started uh well you're on a break from it right now but you did a course in sommelier Mm -hmm. um that was at algonquin yeah and you know a lot of massage therapists consider what they're going to do as a second career or one of the um really great things that i'm trying to promote with the radical rmt podcast is just that we do have so much free time um, and that we can pursue other interests and yes a second career is possible and you can pursue that now uh, while you're still working um, and because you've got the time and, mm-hmm. and all of this um, I say that but I'm sure someone out there will be <laughs> like well maybe you do but I don't yeah. um, but uh, anyway so you decided you wanted to go back to school for small yay which sounds amazing am I even saying that right yeah okay <laughs> Um, so what I mean did you have uh, I mean you already have the psychology background mm-hmm. as well so not interested in going back into like talking therapy but let's have some like, drinks yeah instead. um I just I really love wine I get really excited about it uh the LCVO runs some really amazing like wine appreciation courses so I took a couple of those a few years ago and that's definitely what sort of like sparked that in me just wanting to learn more about it I think the whole process is so interesting and amazing um so yeah so I started to look at at first just for personal interest doing some more kind of courses and then I realized that yeah Algonquin does offer the full sommelier program so I took yes a couple of courses there it's been a little bit more on the back burner recently Mm -hmm. um with the new business so it's become a bit more of a a longer term goal but yeah I think that's so cool and I think that is something that's great that even if I did finish that program I don't have to stop massaging to do that mm-hmm. like both of those things can be very flexible and very part-time mm-hmm. so. and right now are you cons- like considering that that will be 
a second second career is that where you're heading or right now it's just personal interest and why not make it as you know you want to learn the best way that you can so like why not do the full course because you are that that into it yeah so. I long term I would like it to be something that I can cut back the massage a little bit and fill the extra space with that okay. so yeah that would just be my dream to just talk to people about wine all day (laughs) so what does the sommelier course look like and then what would yeah what does a job look like I'm I'm stating part of the obvious but like yeah what does what would the ideal job look like for you so there's a couple different kind of positions if you are sommelier you can essentially either work with a restaurant or you can work with like a buyer and distributor Mm -hmm. um so it would be more that side of it that I would be interested in doing Mm -hmm. Um, but got, got a while to go before that would be on the table. Right. So what, how, so you've completed what, what would they call it? One term at Algonquin and then what, what's left to finish? Um, it's kind of hard to tell because they have the course designed so that it's, people can do it while they're still working. Um, I'd have to look at it again to even kind of see which boxes I've checked and which ones I haven't, but I have a a, a while to go. A while to go. (laughs) That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also teach. Yeah. Um, uh, so how long have you been doing that for? Um, so I started teaching just last year. Um, I really love it. I think it's great. I have so much fun with it. Um, I don't know that I'm any of the students' favorite teacher, but that's okay. I'm a little hard on them. Um, but I always tell the students that I don't really care that much about them passing their exams. Obviously, that's important. But what I do care is that they're going to be good massage therapists. Right. Um, because I think that there are massage therapists who have passed their registration exam and their RMTs, but they're actually not great massage therapist right so oh that makes sense okay that's a good way to put it like yes you're you're registered yeah you've completed all the necessary mm-hmm. requirements and you can friction you know horizontally along the yeah. way but uh you uh you yeah you're but being a massage therapist is a completely mm-hmm. different thing yeah and I think that the best massage therapists are really good problem solvers um so I I really try and push the students to think of things kind of both backwards and forwards. So I teach a muscle anatomy, muscle anatomy course. Um, and I really want the students to be able to think about it and understand like when, what is someone going to be doing that that muscle is going to be sore? I don't want them to just memorize. This is the origin. This is the insertion. This is the innervation. This is the action. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I I know my course is hard, which is, I get some pushback from that, but I, I really think that in the long term that's, what's best for people I tell the students like I want to consider hiring you yeah. in two or three years yeah so. and yeah like it's yes I, I I think that that's wonderful you're still teaching them origin insertion innovation mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> but you're you're also giving them extra information which they don't sound very uh, happy with that it's just more like yeah. <laughs> more that they need to know and is this going to be on the exam mm-hmm. is this not going to be on the exam but not really fully appreciating that this is going to like save your butt like in in life or just make you a better therapist yeah uh, yeah yeah that's that's one thing with being a teacher that drives me crazy the is this going to be on the exam the question question yeah. yeah i hope i didn't ask that <laughs> when i was in school but i might have but i i 
don't know. Yeah. Oh, oh, goodness. <laughs> um, and then, um, anything else you want to talk about for teaching? Or? Um, I don't think so. That's something else that um, allows me to be a little bit more hands-off. You know, we're always looking at ways to, to save the hands. Yeah. So the teaching has been helpful for that. Um, it's been really cool. It's been a really nice refresher for me because I've been teaching some techniques courses as well. Um, so yeah, things you were talking about, frictions, is not something I use a ton right. in my practice, but actually since having to refresh myself to teach the students, I find I'm using these techniques more, Yes, which is good. <laughs> yeah, which is wonderful, and I'm glad to hear you say like, we all need to refresh mm-hmm. on, on some of the stuff that we ha- might not have learned from school, and it, we can get re-excited about it. And or realize that it's completely still completely useless or um, yeah I like uh, I like that as well that you can you can uh, go back go back to it um, with the teaching I would have never pictured you as somebody who wanted to t- oh, yeah? to teach mm-hmm. yeah like I think more just be just being in front of the class yeah. like. I find you very entertaining, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that works. <laughs> but yeah, I just never would have like I I thought about teaching very early on when as soon as I, like I finished school because um, everything was still really f- like fresh mm-hmm. and I was really excited about yeah. it and and then I wanted to give give back yeah, you mm-hmm. know but then I also wanted to improve because you're so new at that point and you're real and then you get into the real world and you're like okay like we are, we did not get any of this and and the new students need to know that yeah. we, like, what, <laughs> yeah. what I know um but I never per, like fully pursued it I I hit up some emails and stuff but I never fully pursued it um and uh and then yeah I, I don't know if I could do it now though it's uh yeah it's it's nerve-wracking and being in front of um, of, the, of the students not or? really uh my classes are small so that's takes a little bit of the edge like it's not like I'm teaching to a hundred students right. or anything um but I think in a little bit the way that I say that it would be a dream to talk to people about wine all day um I'm a little bit nerdy like that with like the human body and anatomy and stuff too. So I actually get really excited when I'm teaching. So I I think it's fun. And I think that (laughs) would resonate more like with the the students. Mm -hmm. It should anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're excited about it and the information is is there, then Mm -hmm. yeah, that's great. Yeah. So fun. You're such Mm -hmm. a nerd. (laughs) Nerd too. Um, One of the conversations we've we've had briefly and then I was like I need to know I want to know more about this um we were just in a casual setting um which is actually would you like a sip of wine I haven't offered you a chance to like breathe I'm okay okay (laughs) (laughs) um it was uh you mentioned that you read uh she takes a sip of wine (laughs) remind me yeah um the um uh, you were reading a book called Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg Mm -hmm. And um, you you took some actually some pretty cool information out of that book. Um, I haven't read it yet. It was on my list to read before we talked, but then this came up really fast, and I, <laughs> I didn't read it. Um, but um, one of the parts in the book that you described that was really resonated with you, and um, I'll botch it, and then you can you can correct it. But that women essentially she was saying in the book that women don't negotiate um Mm -hmm. positions uh in their workplace um terms uh like conditions and you know salary like they just you know we're just show up and and the offer's made and we're like yeah and then and this goes for all 
all professions. Um, but a male will show up and, and you can give the numbers as well because I don't know them. Um, but that, uh, you know, they'll they'll negotiate a little bit. They'll give a little pushback or mm-hmm. give, you know, okay, well, how about these terms instead? Or, yeah. or give a, how about this salary instead? Yeah. And just asking just usually... they usually get it Mm -hmm. um so can you describe a little bit more yeah so the one uh study or instance that she specifically talks about in the book is a group of um mba graduates from harvard or one of the ivy leagues and so all these students they have exactly the same qualifications and when they go to negotiate their salary for their first job something like 70% of men will negotiate, but only 30% of women. Um, And she talked about that playing into, like, why we have such a wage gap. Okay. um, Is that women just don't ask. Right. Yeah. Mm. I think that, um, well, our profession as as a massage therapist Mm -hmm. uh, is, the last last year it was 78% female. Yeah. So I thought that was that really resonated that um the majority of our our profession could could be negotiating Mm -hmm. but then I also considered like we have a I feel like in the massage profession we have a fairly even playing field with any male yeah like therapist Mm -hmm. as well so I thought that was yeah any any other yeah I think um for me it was really interesting to think of it not in comparison to what male massage therapists might be doing or not doing, but just like, what can I just do for myself? Mm -hmm. So when I was moving into my new workspace, we're talking about what the rent's gonna be, and I just read the book, I was like, all right, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna negotiate, and I'm gonna counter offer. And it's a really uncomfortable feeling if it's not something you're used to doing. Yeah. 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 But you did it anyway, yep. so you yep. counter-offered. Mm-hmm. Did you have a strategy? Like, you're going to go, I'm just going to go even 10%. Like, I'm going to go down 10% or up 10%. Like, did you have, like, at least a number in mind? Or? Um, I had a number in mind. I didn't know sort of what her first idea was going to be. Um, I think I actually might have even offered the number first, saying, like, this is what I would like to pay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, we negotiated around that number. Okay. And um, so you used that knowledge for your move into your mm-hmm. your new space. Have you? Um, can you give any other example um, of other types of work that you looked at? Because I know like you ultimately wanted to do your own thing, but you mm-hmm. looked at a couple other options yeah. along the way. Yeah. Did you have those negotiating conversations as I, well? I did actually. Yeah. And again, it was a little bit uncomfortable to push myself so Mm -hmm. I did meet with you know some other clinic owners or other practitioners and you know to have someone say well you know we're willing to offer this split or this percentage and to just look someone in the eye and say like no I I think I deserve more than that yeah it's cool it's empowering but it's scary too yeah so and I don't know remember you also saying that you know like not only do I deserve this? But the fact that you're expecting mm-hmm. anyone to work for, you know, that particular split yeah. is yes, I, I crazy. Did, I did say that to one <laughs> clinic owner. Yeah. Yeah. He had yeah. offered, I think it was 60%, which is fine. Uh-huh. Um, but with how much he was expecting someone to work yeah. and 
when I started working as a massage therapist, I started at 60%, yep. and that's fine. Yep. You don't have any of your clients yet, but when yep. someone's going to be bringing a big clientele to you, and he said, oh, we've had such a hard time, and I just said to him, like, well, you have to offer people more money. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and maybe a little bit of that bravery, you know, came from, <laughs> from you just <laughs> reading a little bit of Cheryl yep. Sandberg. Yeah, yeah. The book, was, the book was great. I would definitely recommend it. Um, it's certainly centered more towards women who work as employees as part of large corporations Mm -hmm. um so a lot of it didn't apply being sort of like an entrepreneur or a contractor but it was still very interesting yeah that sounds fascinating and you mentioned another book just before we started recording as well called profit first yeah so um actually someone who's a personal trainer who runs her own business recommended it to me before i started so it was just gives you a breakdown of how much, what percentage you should be um, allotting to expenses or taxes and this kind of thing. Um, And his whole idea in the book is right away you should take 5% off of what you make and put it in this little account that you label profit so that right away your business is profitable and you can't spend that money on expenses and you can't spend it on your credit card bill and you can't do anything. It's just there as profit money that you use for yourself for something fun okay so that's really good and um part of his whole idea with this book is that if you're not making ends meet then instead of increasing sales what you really need to do is cut expenses um so rather than having you know profit equals income minus expenses you switch the Um, equation around so that your income is um, like it's not dependent on your expenses so your expenses can always go down yeah 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 Yeah. that's and that's important in our profession Mm because we just never know what's you know what the month is going to bring for income so that you can but the only place that we can reduce is is in the expenses zone to a point Mm -hmm. I get that but yeah then that's that's awesome um, and, and really, in, yeah, really important. Um, the, uh, I've, I've read about a similar concept, and it's probably, it, I think it was called uh, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. Um, not, and and it is just as far as the different accounts, that the importance of that profit account, he calls it um, a spend account or a blow mm-hmm. it account, basically, yeah. that um, because you're doing so well on the savings and, you know, budgeting mm-hmm. and, your psychology as Mm -hmm. you might like relate to there is that you're you're going to like have a blowout of like you're gonna you're gonna go on the other end under other spectrum you're being so good Mm -hmm. on one side that you're gonna go so terrible on the other and just have like a spending spree and go crazy (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and it's it's definitely happened to like me Mm -hmm. um and so like having that profit is just your designated like yeah your designated fun account basically like you're allowed to do whatever you want with this money yeah that's what the book kind of recommends is once every quarter take the money that's in that and spend it on something fun cool so nice yeah good so profit first and lean in i love it um on the topic of women in business um again before we started recording you mentioned um sort of the same vein um as women don't negotiate that women are are drawn to caring professions again we're 78 percent of, <laughs> of uh, 
a female massage therapist in the profession. Mm-hmm. So obviously, um, we're drawn to a profession that cares for people. But you also had another another point. Yeah, to... I can't remember if this was in Lean In where I read this or if it was somewhere else. But it was just talking about so women being especially drawn to caring professions that there's often an expectation that you will work because it's helpful for people Mm. so and I definitely find that in massage that there's often this underlying expectation that you'll spend an extra few minutes with a client or you know if someone is really hurting then you know you'll spend extra time you'll stay late or Mm -hmm. you do this Um, and that expectation isn't there in different careers and not as much for male dominated careers you know they're accountants aren't expected to work for free just because you have fallen on hard financial times they're still managing your money they're still doing their job Um, so I think that that's really important for massage therapists to just remember that like even though we do care for people so much like this is your job this you have to look at this as a business you have to look at it as sales you know restaurant doesn't owe you extra food just because you really like it yeah so that's true being complimented (laughs) you know somebody do you feel that um so it's equal for both male and female massage therapists do you feel like that you know if if anybody in a caring profession we might have that Mm -hmm. feeling like we need to do more or um but do you feel that on the asking side do you feel it's more male is it equal male and females that are asking the us to to do more or Mm. is it the males that expect like again just you know just because we're all um that's an interesting question I don't know I haven't really thought about it no 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 and just 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 occurred to me I'm like I'm wondering Mm -hmm. or or do a does a female also feel comfortable yeah asking another female because like you you should you know Mm-hmm. I, would, I would care about you you should yeah. care about me can you stay a few minutes later mm-hmm. I'm wondering if that it's just it's equal or one is asking more than yeah. the other I don't know that would be interesting to look at though and kind of find right. out more about yeah I I it's interesting I've well I've had a few cl- I mean definitely as a, you get more experienced in the profession you get very good at at saying no to that extra time because they're mm-hmm. like because they're very good there's certain mm-hmm. particular clients who are very good at three minutes before the massage is yeah. over do you just have a few minutes to take a oh look at God, this and you're just, you're just starting <laughs> to like settle you know finish getting into your mm-hmm. like your closing routine and they're just like, like just just and they'd like literally look at the clock do you have a, have a few minutes so mm-hmm. they know you do have a few minutes yeah. to do it but then it's gonna it's gonna take longer than three minutes whatever they've just asked you to, yeah. to do um or do you have do you have somebody right after me mm-hmm. because I could use another like just a, just a few more minutes yeah, yeah. And, and it does depend on the client mm-hmm. it does um um, but uh, and and really the really yeah do I really have someone else after or not? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so yeah, working on my own because I do laundry and 
you know, cleaning and everything that needs to be done in the space, I actually give myself half an hour between appointments now. Mm. Um, so I find that the clients who are like that, oh, do you have a few extra minutes? I usually do have time to extend their appointment by mm-hmm. 15 minutes. Yep. Um, and when you say it that way, be like, oh, we can bump this up to a 75 minute appointment really implies that they are going to have to pay for the extra yes. time. Yeah. Um, and then so that that helps deter that. And some people are like, yeah, sure, that would be great. And other people are like, oh, no, I, I kind of got to run. I'm like, okay, well, we'll finish here then. And that's a really great way to word it, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. And, and maybe, again, like, we would be nervous to use that language mm-hmm. in our massage um, because we're in the middle of helping somebody mm-hmm. and then we're about to, to bring up, yeah, sure, a 75-minute appointment. Um, yeah. But... Yeah, and you know, I think we are all massage therapists. We do care about people, and that's why we do this. And I think that's a really great, wonderful aspect of our job. But I think that not enough massage therapists think about what they're doing from a business perspective. Right. So. Yeah, well, I, I would agree with that. The numbers are not sexy, but they they can be. Mm-hmm. If you, you know, yeah, that's yeah. very true. Um, what about um, your, so I don't know how to introduce this one, but um, we had a conversation. I was like, that's really good. If I ever have Emily on the podcast, <laughs> I'm going to get her to talk about this. But uh, essentially you had said that you were, you were um, going to, you were looking at other job, op- like job options within the massage profession and it was a upgrade, like let's say to a man, I, maybe it wasn't to a management position mm-hmm. or something. I'm trying to put context into, um, and you basically said that you were gonna, you turned down this position with more responsibility because really why take on more, even if it's more pay and a new title? Um, because like, so the, the base of that is like, why take on more? Mm-hmm. Um, so, your yeah and where did where did that come from yeah so i I have you to thank for introducing (laughs) me to a lot of minimalist things um which has really just stuck with me and i think that something that i love so much about being a massage therapist is that i don't have to work a lot i work about 30 hours a week including admin time um so to look at the extra stress that's going to come from more responsibilities, more worries, and yeah, more money is nice, but I can kind of look at it, same as that Profit First book of paring down your expenses, looking at things in my personal life, well, do I really need that money to buy this thing? And then, so since I've tried to adopt a little bit more of a minimalist attitude, I find it easier to say no to things like that and not as like, just tempted by the money even if something's going to make me unhappy right that's that's true I mean if someone is asking you to stay an extra hour on a particular day and you can you can actually look at it and go well do I need the money for that extra hour mm-hmm. sometimes we do yeah <laughs> um, and, but t- like how am I doing do I actually need this and or will it make me feel better to to leave mm-hmm. <laughs> an hour earlier that day then I think that that's really important and again something that we just it it really needs to be something that we develop um as a as a habit um Mm -hmm. that's going to take time because our I think our knee-jerk reaction is is yeah or we don't even 
doesn't even process. It's yeah. just like, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> I mean, again, with your the fact that you're setting up your boundaries in your own practice is huge because I at least if I'm as an independent contractor can can I add an extra hour or start an extra hour earlier I get to say depends on if the room Mm -hmm. is available (laughs) so sometimes I have like that as my own um you know excuse or that that boundary Mm -hmm. um but I'm not great at it even in in that in that group clinic environment so um, yeah, being independent, it's it's really great what you're doing to uh, to set yourself up that way. Yeah, so. that, that's where it's hard to say no sometimes because like there's no reason why I can't right do that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't even be like, oh, sorry, it's clinic policy that we, blah blah blah. Cause I'm like, I'm the clinic policy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, um, what but, else? Sorry, go ahead. Um, no, I just think that with. Um, you know, you can stay longer and earn a little bit more money and that's great if you have something that you want that money for. But I also think that like, if I earn more money, I'm going to spend more money. Yeah. And then, so I just have to stop and think like, do I need to spend that? Is this something I need? And that's where like trying to be a little bit more minimalist has been helpful. Yeah. Because then I can say like, oh, I don't, I don't need to spend that hundred dollars. So I don't need to earn that hundred dollars. So that's great. No, for sure. And there is, um, you know, what the minimalist, um, uh, philosophies to use that. That's not the right word, but, um, uh, uh, basically that what is enough and finding that is, is something that a lot of people don't, don't Mm -hmm. look for, um, or know what that number would be. Um, so yeah, that's very, very true. Cool. How am I doing on uh, on topics? What else would you like to dive into? Um, I don't know. I feel like we know. <laughs> I, I, you know, if there's anything more about you that you would like to share, because you've been really fascinating, and amazing, <laughs> uh, and these are basically just topics I've pulled out of other conversations we've we've had. And I'm like, you're gonna talk about this on yeah. the podcast. Um, but yeah, is there anything? else you have coming up that you would like to share um uh or an ask of the audience oh i can't think of anything right now okay um you are considering moving closer to your your workspace Mm -hmm. um i have i have always lived close to a workspace (laughs) and now i i actually do work at that workspace and i think it's wonderful Mm -hmm. so i highly recommend um for so many reasons that it's much it's great to work um in your in your own neighborhood or at least be able to walk to work um and uh, one of my instructors uh in school said that um you should you shouldn't work live and play in the same area I understand that (laughs) to a but and and at the time I was like oh yeah that totally makes sense but I was in my 20s and now I'm (laughs) a little bit yeah so I've been I've been apartment hunting and the apartment building directly across from my work has units available Mm. um in the price range that I would like and I just thought no like I can't because I can see the building from the window in my treatment room so I can't just have two opposite views of the same street okay. all day like I would go crazy okay that so, makes sense trying to be closer to work but not quite that close okay good point <laughs> good point yeah amazing 
Um, well, maybe I will set this up to do like some quick, some quick questions. Okay. Then, so stay tuned. So we'll uh, we'll get Emily to do uh, a few a few random questions as well. Um, where can people find you, Emily Burns? <laughs> so um, this was actually something I thought a lot about with. Um, taking on the new business is did I want to come up with a name but I just wanted people to be able to find me who already knew me so the website is just emilyburnsrmt.com and my email address just emily.burns.rmt at gmail so very easy okay (laughs) great well thanks for being on the uh, podcast and for coming by and enjoying a a glass of chardonnay well thank you for the invite and for the the wine yeah no problem (laughs) That's all from the Radical RMT this week. You can connect with Emily at emilyburnsrmt.com and you can email her at emily.burns.rmt at gmail.com. I enjoyed recording this episode with Emily and if you enjoyed listening to it, then please write a review, subscribe for future episodes and share this podcast with another Radical RMT. Thanks for listening and I hope you have an awesome day.